Hello and welcome to Health. Let's chill out and get real. My name is Lara Jezef and I will be your host. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Health. Let's chill out and get real. Today I'm excited to be introducing a, a lady who works uh, at a physio, Sally. Uh, she has been a physio for 10 years. She um, has had her own business, Aspire Physio, in Glenelg in Adelaide. And she's had this business for about six and a half years. Um, a runner, and she's also, even more importantly, she's a mum of three children now. Crazy lady. I only have one and I'm still struggling. <laughs> Welcome, Sally. Thank you for Thank coming. You. I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about the, some of these questions that might be coming up today. Lots yeah. of good stuff. I've had, uh, a few people have um, commented uh, when I posted on the Facebook group uh, about their questions. So, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty topical as well, because it seems like when it comes to being a new mum or just learning how things are, there's all the research out there to show that postpartum exercise can improve your moods, can reduce depression and anxiety and help with weight loss, all of that good stuff. But there's, it's pretty vague with the guidelines um, mm. and what's the best thing to do, what's the safest thing to do. There seems to be this thing about wait until your six-week checkup and then let's see how we go. Mm. Go to your doctor and get your six-week checkup. But for me, like I went to you because um, I, for me, I believe in physios. I, I think that they're more beneficial for that thing at um, rather than a doctor but what do you what's your thoughts on what the six-week mark is all about and do you actually need to go to a doctor for this checkup yeah I guess the, it, it, it always depends there's no simple answer and I guess first off a doctor looks at medical things and a physio looks at muscles and bones and joints and ligaments so we look at our areas of I guess skill and knowledge are different um, so from a medical point of view, if you had blood pressure issues or, you know, uh, significant medical complications or you had stitches or, you know, something that was quite medical through your pregnancy or delivery, then having that medical clearance is important. But if you had quite a straightforward pregnancy, quite a straightforward birth and, you know, define that how you like, um, <laughs> then the, you know, six week check, you might still want to get that. I mean, it's still important to see a doctor that you, you never know if you have high blood pressure or there's some other complication or low iron levels or, you know, it's still worthwhile um, getting that six week checkup and just having a, a quick discussion if something has come up that doesn't feel quite right. But mm -hmm. then I think the physio check, whether it's with a musculoskeletal physio, which is what I am, or a women's health physio, which is a physio which would do perhaps an internal pelvic floor exam or something like that, there is a lot of muscle joint ligament bone you know changes on that side of things that can be checked to assess mm -hmm. exactly where you're at so it um you know it, it's might be as simple as a yes you're good to exercise or no you're not quite there yet but also determining where your strength is at you know where is your pelvic floor at where are your abdominals at what do you actually want to get back to and is mm. it realistic that you do it next week or is it six months away given where you're at today so mm. I think that's where the physio input can be very powerful to give you just appropriate expectations on your own body. Okay, sounds, sounds good. 
makes sense yeah. um mm. the six week mark is that is that something that most people should follow I understand that everyone's very different where's that come from oh good question I'm not really sure where it's come from as such uh, I mean healing time frame is probably where what it's based on so a lot of the healing process is happening on the inside and we don't know about this I guess perhaps related to when your uterus comes back to within its normal size I think mm. that process is, is about the five to six week mark of course varies with different people um, <laughs> but there's so much happening on the inside that we don't know about we can't see it we can't feel it necessarily so by putting a nice long extended uh, window of effectively rest period hopefully most people will have the chance for their bodies to reach some level of um, resilience ready mm. to start moving. So certainly gentle walking and getting outside and getting fresh air is absolutely important and okay in that first six weeks. But of course, if you're walking, you might only go around the block. You might just walk to the end of your driveway and back, just depending on you know, your whole circumstances through your pre-pregnancy, during your pregnancy and uh, during and after the delivery. They, they all play a part in what's appropriate and how soon it's appropriate for you. Mm. Yeah, for sure. What, what, because you've just had a baby. Well, not just, but you, you've yeah, had your 10 months the, old now. Oh, I say yeah. just 10 yeah, months. Yeah, it feels like it was just, but yeah, he's, he's a bit grown up now. <laughs> yeah. So, what sort of things are you doing at the moment? Like, how long did it take you? Yeah, to... cool. So, I mean, third time round, you, you've, I guess, expect things to be slower to recover because everything has uh, taken a bit more of a hit and you, might be a little less fit going into it compared to your first pregnancy, but you know the the actual pregnancy and recovery um, is is individual, not necessarily pregnancy one, two, and three getting harder each time. But it, you know, for for my third pregnancy, I felt really nauseous a lot of the pregnancy, so I ate really not very helpful food a lot of the pregnancy. Oh yeah, coming. And Me then, too. <laughs> oh, like not following my own advice at all, but you know, it had to be done to survive. So we did it. Um, and also COVID hit for the last sort of three months of my pregnancy. So the gyms shut. And even if the gyms were open, I wasn't going because I didn't want to. Mm. And so my pregnancy, which would have been a lot more active, wasn't really that active because I felt awful. And then, you know, the, the ability to access environments where I could exercise became really limited I was home with the kids we didn't leave the house for six weeks and so that was sort of my preparation for birth you know not ideal but it just meant that my recovery after that it just took a lot longer I was carrying a lot more weight I'd lost a lot more of my strength and my fitness which was fine but it just meant I had to build up more slowly on the other side so at about I think three months or so I started going back to the gym and I go where they do, you know, circuit of high intensity training, but I very much took things at my own pace. So mm. whatever the exercise was on that station, I would downgrade it by at least half or even more, just body weight, no weights, no jumping, no impact, just moving. And if I could do 10 squats in a row, I was pretty stoked with myself. So it certainly wasn't um, pushing myself. So I then spent, uh, I think it was six or eight weeks just really going through the motions, just moving my body, just trying to figure out where I was at and what felt good. And then mm. by about the five, six-month mark, I started going out for short sort of run-walk type 
excursions. <laughs> um, so I'd, you know, literally run 20 meters and then I'd walk for a minute and then I'd run 20 meters and I'd walk for a minute. And I did that for maybe 10 minutes, came home and then waited a day or two to see how my body responded to that. Yeah. Um, and you don't really know where your benchmarks are. You don't really know where your boundaries are until you start doing little bits. Now I'd been building core and pelvic floor strength through all that time. So right from you know, my six week checkup, I'd gone into the mums and bubs uh, mat rehab classes at the clinic. And mm -hmm. so I'd been doing just once a week. And it was amazing how helpful that once a week was because we'd focus in on pelvic floor, posture, stretch out all those things that were tight and achy. And I'd always walk out thinking, oh my God, why don't I just look after myself a bit more? I'm in all mm. these bad habits and I didn't even notice. And so that also gave me some insight into where my strength was at so that when at the gym they said this is the exercise I knew where I where my strength was at so I could downgrade to a level that was still helpful for me but not going to overload and so yeah. now fast forward to 10 months postpartum I kind of run maybe once a month about three k's maybe and you know I've got a long history of running so I think I'm more resilient to just be able to get out and do a, a, a spontaneous run here and there without too many repercussions. Um, gym once or twice a week, uh, netball with the school mums, which is really fun just once a week. And then just walking, heaps of walking to and from school pickups every day mm. and out and about. And yeah, just lots of movement throughout the day. Um, yeah. And overall I, feeling pretty good. I love everything that you've said, like listening to your body, even even though you're a physio, you're still aware of your body and knowing what you can and can't do. And mm. by you getting those checks in the classes, perfect. Like you said, you can then uh, you can then change your exercises according to your own body. Mm. Um, and I love that you check. So you go for your run and then you check to see how you pulled up the next day and the next day. Um, often as mums, it seems like you're trying to push yourself so hard to get back to post baby weight and body and you end up could end up injuring yourself more causing more harm because there's so much um, that could happen if you mm. go back to doing exercise too quickly for your own body um yeah yeah it's, there's a very it's clear really guideline where they recommend waiting till at least four months postpartum before introducing any impact exercise because mm -hmm. they've they've shown in the research that if you go back to any kind of impact exercise which is you know any of your running sports or jumping yeah impact things in the gym then your chances of pelvic floor dysfunction become much higher so even if everything's been smooth sailing the whole way through there's very clear research if you go back to those higher impact things before four months then you're basically putting yourself out there ready for some issues to crop up okay you may have been able to avoid it if you just waited another six or eight weeks to just build that strength a little bit more let your yeah. body settle into its new you know rhythm of life that's good to know um I think people hearing that maybe they'll slow down and appreciate there's no point in rushing these things like your body mm. will we'll get back into balance just give it that time be kind yeah, and I think there's this I mean of course depends on how baby is as well but there's this period somewhere between sort of four weeks and 12 weeks postpartum where you start to feel like yourself again you can start you know maybe leaving the baby for five minutes with you know husband or whoever is able to help out and you start thinking oh 
I, I can start getting a bit of myself back, which is exciting and you might feel quite good, but it's also very, very easy to overdo it because of everything that's going mm. on inside that, you know, you don't, you don't know it's happening, but your body's working really hard. I had a mum come in and say, I'm 12 weeks since I've had my baby. Why can't I run yet? What's wrong with me? And it's just these expectations that are quite unrealistic and unhelpful. You know, yeah. you're giving yourself a hard time for not being able to do what whoever down the road is doing. You know, she's living her life. You're living yours. You live in your body for the rest of your life. You might as well do the right thing now. Wait another few weeks, few months to then do it safely. Definitely. Definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. It's this pressure that we believe that other people are putting on us to get back to this body um, when really we just put it on ourselves. Mm. Um, I remember because I had a pretty traumatic birth. Um, I was really not pushing myself to get back into exercise. I just wanted to be able to move. And I remember um, because you know how active I am, uh, just walking 10 minutes to the park for a long time was a lot of pressure for me. Mm. Um, and I'm still not where I want to be. I'm still working on that strength, still working on that pelvic floor, still the ab separation. Uh, it's a constant thing. So everyone's body is so different, whether you're you're very fit and healthy to start with it it really depends on how much change you went through being pregnant and then giving birth and coming out the other side mm, it's huge and if you think that you should be at the same point as whoever down the road then you know you're, you're just making life way more miserable for yourself <laughs> it's your body it's your experience and only you have been through that exact set of circumstances so mm. you just cannot compare there's absolutely no point just be kind to yourself mm, which is please. hard because you know you 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 know your body changes so much and you don't really know what you'll go back to you don't know if you'll mm. be in the same shape and strength and same routine and so you don't really know what you're getting going to get back to but i've found that if you you know you've you've lived your life however many years old you are you will have found your certain habits and rhythm and things. So if you can just gradually work your way back to some of those habits, then your body will also follow suit and that will take you back to, you know, similar to, to what you were doing pre-baby. You just need to give it the time. Yeah. Nice. What have you had um, any experience of clients that have gone too quickly into exercise? Can you give any examples just mm, for the listeners? Absolutely, particularly um, either really high achieving clients that didn't want to wait the six weeks or 12 weeks or to the four month mark. And they've gone back to, you know, hit training at three weeks postnatal. Like, oh my God, I just couldn't, I couldn't even cringe. listen to any. Yeah, of course, it's <laughs> awful. And then has an increased um, frequency of back issues because the recovery hasn't been you know nice and smooth from start to finish there's been this huge disruption by trying to get active so quick and you know another client that was so eager to drop the the baby weight went back to quite hardcore personal training and lots and lots of pelvic floor issues now lots of leakage and you know fairly young client probably wants a lot more babies in the future but no. you know thinks that the pelvic floor is you know she's stuck with that forever which she isn't if she you know was able to put a bit more focus into that then she would overcome it absolutely there's there's no reason why she can't and um, mm -hmm. it's just we don't see each other's pelvic floors and how they function but you know what matters hopefully what matters to yourself is 
how your bodily functions go ahead and that they work properly because if there's a little problem now chances are it will become a bigger problem with future pregnancies and you know getting older as well yeah yeah so that's yeah, um just the pelvic floor it. yeah just rushing the, the pelvic floor is a thing isn't it it's like um tell us a little bit just explain what the pelvic floor actually is I know it's probably easier mm. to describe in video but yeah. as best you can to the listeners yeah so <laughs> it's this it's this sling of muscles underneath your pelvis it connects from your pubic bone at the front to your coccyx at the back which is your tailbone and then it goes all the way out to the sides it's quite wide out to your sit bones so the, the bones that you sit on when you're sitting up nice and tall so it's kind of this diamond shaped structure and it's really quite a clever little structure because it has um you know tension in it to hold things in place and stop things coming out when you don't want them to and then also has the ability to relax and allow things through mm. when we do want them to and uh i mean it's a muscle like any other muscle in the body if you train it it gets stronger if you don't train it it gets weaker um it's a i guess a trickier muscle to uh figure out just because we can't see it it's you know a bit hard to feel we don't have a lot of um focus on it in day-to-day -day life but um a hugely powerful muscle because it it sets up the the stability and um i guess the integrity of all the structures through your lower abdomen into your pelvis so yes extremely crucial and allows the yeah. baby to come out exactly if you go that way <laughs> so we have yes if, if you do yeah <laughs> um so what um I, lots of exercises get thrown around with the pelvic floor um mm. so some people say you just need to lie down and then you breathe in and then you you kind of it's like a suck in um which is how the physio has described it to me when I I saw physios when I first gave birth um and to do it lying down to do it seated to do it standing to do it walking um is this the sort of thing that you do with your clients when it comes to mm. Yeah, absolutely. And Working. I think the, in, uh, so the benefit of lying down is that you don't have gravity fighting mm -hmm. against you. So the, the horizontal position where it's lying on, whether it's lying on your back or your side or your tummy, the gravity is taken out of it. So if you are quite early postpartum, then that allows you to get a better contraction without, you know, even if you're not that strong. But then the idea being that you progress that into positions where you do have gravity pulling down, which is where we spend most of our life upright and not <laughs> lying down. Um, but you need to be strong enough to be doing that. So if you don't progress your strength enough from the very early days, then you might not be able to actually get a very good pelvic floor contraction once you're sitting, standing, walking, playing netball, you know, doing whatever yeah. it is that life uh, you choose. So um, I guess I take it back to where the person's currently at, mm. what's their level, what can they manage, and then gradually work towards where they want to go. So figuring mm -hmm. out those little steps towards that. Um, when you're thinking about how long should the hold be, how often should the hold be, how hard should I be trying, mm. it sort of has three different functions, if you like. So we want nice, strong pelvic floor to keep our body supported throughout day-to-day -day life. So when you're doing your contractions for that, that style of training, then you want a nice strong contraction. So really trying sort of eight out of 10, nine out of 10 effort while keeping everything else relaxed. We're not bracing everything, just trying to lift through pelvic floor. And uh, the, the golden 
the golden 10 is what they call it, is to be able to do a 10 second pelvic floor lift uh, at 10 out of 10 strength and repeat that 10 times. So that's kind of the benchmark of good pelvic floor strength. So if you were working on the strength elements, then you're wanting to build your way up to that golden 10. Now there's also endurance in your pelvic floor. So for me, when I go for, you know, nice long run, not really at the moment, but down the track, <laughs> then the type of training I need to do with my pelvic floor to build up to that is a lower effort. So maybe a two or a three out of 10 effort, be able, but holding it for 30 to 60 seconds, either while I'm still or while I'm moving, depending on how coordinated and strong I am. And then there's the coordination, the fast, short lifts that you might need for a cough and a sneeze and a jump type scenario. <laughs> so sometimes after you've had a baby, your, your quick, your fast twitch muscles, muscle fibers are not as well trained. They're the ones we tend to lose first. So that's when the cough, sneeze, jump can be problematic because those muscles don't kick in quite as quickly as we want them to. So by training that, it helps train those fast twitch fibers. So mm -hmm. I'd be working on strength training with a nice strong contraction. 10 second holds is what you're building to your endurance type training where you're going for a two out of 10, three out of 10 effort, but much longer hold 30 to 60 seconds. And then your short, fast contractions where you want to try and switch on 10 out of 10 and then switch off all the way, relax back down again. So there, yeah, there's three ways to think about training your pelvic floor and whichever one you find the hardest is probably the one you need to spend more time doing. Mm. as a very rough guide that's really interesting because often you just get taught you just have to suck in and then that's it um mm. so there's so many different levels of doing that sort of pelvic floor exercise mm. and and to do it daily I, I remember um <laughs> you might have experienced this as well but peeing myself numerous times when I sneezed or mm, um, it's awful you, it takes you off guard actually when you're first new to it and and then it's a good focus for you as a goal to be like, no, I don't want this to keep Let's happening. Let's not do that again. Yeah, no. <laughs> absolutely. But we don't talk about it. We don't know that this affects, I, I think the stat is like one in three women will have incontinence of some level after having a baby. Like it's, it's huge. I don't yeah. know if that's the correct stat exactly, but it's, it's very, very common. So don't if be afraid to share about it if it's something that's impacting on you because there is help out there. Definitely. Um, I think it's really important to share um all of this stuff which is why you're here and mm -hmm. we're talking about weeing ourselves <laughs> what, <laughs> it, happens. Your, it really does yeah um my goal is to actually be able to do volleyball or to do jumping like I haven't Ooh. tested it yet but at the moment when I sneeze I don't wee myself so things are improving <laughs> well done that's great yeah and obviously there's different stages of when you gave birth so it it does depend on the tear so mine was fourth degree, so front to back. And, and then that's going to obviously impact each mother differently. And whether you've had a C-section, that's still mm. involved in the abs and the pelvic floor. Yeah, because the baby's been sitting down on your pelvic floor for nine months and a muscle that gets stretched out is harder to re-engage. But with time and practice, then it can shorten back to its sort of prenatal position. And mm -hmm. you can, just like I was saying about those fast twitch fibers, you can rebuild that strength through the pelvic floor and essentially, in most cases, go back to everything that you did beforehand. Yes, I think that's really important because mums, um, some I've spoken to believe that that's their body now. Um, mm and they need to give up because they've had a child this is what they have to deal with but mm. it is not it's just not um 
And that's the other thing it's important. Um, a few C-section mums believe that they don't need to do any pelvic floor work because it was a C-section, it wasn't a natural delivery, but you obviously believe a different. Mm, absolutely. You know, the, the, the baby's been living in there for the whole pregnancy <laughs> and that impacts on everything around that area, particularly, you know, abdominal and pelvis, lower back region, you know, the uh, risk of pelvic floor dysfunction is higher with more natural deliveries. But uh, in saying that C-section deliveries don't mean that you have no, you know, issue mm. that you don't have to work on pelvic floor as well. Yeah. Great. What, one other thing regarding the pelvic floor, um, what do you think of Kegel balls as a resistance to strengthen the pelvic floor because this is actually something that's been around on the internet recently about mm. strength so a resistance have you seen there's a there's a game you can get on your phone where you have a pressure gauge inside you and you squeeze your pelvic or lift your pelvic floor to put pressure on this pressure gauge and it makes a little bird fly up and down and so oh, you wow. play this computer game based on your pelvic floor how strength <laughs> um you know what if, if that works for you great I would always go back to um speaking to a, a women's health physio specifically about your own scenario you know get your pelvic floor checked properly to yep. get some really accurate information about where you're at so that you can make the right decision and if you have you know ticked off all the sort of lower level strength gains and you're up to a sort of medium level and you just need some motivation to continue go for it find the games find the gadgets as mm. long as you're actually contracting your pelvic floor with good coordination and functionally in a useful way then if gadgets help you then go for it nice <laughs> there's some crazy <laughs> things out there yeah i bet they're always trying to look for the latest thing to get you to do the things that you don't enjoy doing <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but it, it could be life-changing if that's something that you're willing to do actually use it then mm -hmm. great but if you buy it and don't use it then there's no point <laughs> no yeah exactly it's finding what works for you again isn't it mm. going back to running now you're a runner it's my it's my I don't really enjoy running, but I want to be able to run for my pelvic floor's sake, you know, um, mm. <laughs> just to run to the bus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Run across the road, get out of the way of a car. It's yeah, yeah. So um, what about running with a pram? Now, this is a question from a mum. She wants to run with a pram. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, like everything when you uh, do something new for the first time start with a really small amount of it and then build up gradually over a realistic amount of time so if we take the pram out of the equation and we talk about just starting running at all then um you know maybe your run walking pattern might be a good starting point maybe 30 seconds running 30 seconds walking or something like that for a really short distance and take six to 12 weeks to build up for you know a non-stop run of 2ks 3ks something like that now, if we add the pram into the mix, that's effectively a new activity. So if you've been running at, you know, let's say three Ks a few times a week and you add a pram, I'd be going way back to some run walks, test yourself out, see how your body responds, and then build yourself up in this effectively new activity of run walking, uh, of running with a pram. Um, again, depends on how many kids you've got in the pram. So I've been out running with my uh, almost six-year-old and three-and-a-half-year-old and 
side by side in the pram, they're unbalanced. So the pram tries to always kick one way and they're heavy and, you know, it's, it's just a lot of force to be uh, working with, which is a really different scenario than if you've just got your, you know, 10 month old on his own in a single seat type pram. So taking into consideration all those things, you know, make sure your pram is an appropriate running pram. Um, make sure your baby is old enough. I think about six months is the minimum of when you can put a baby in a pram. I'd uh, definitely look into that to check that yep. that's correct. But, mm -hmm. you know, good head control is what you want. Um, and then, yeah, essentially building up uh, in, in a realistic way. Um, and that is going to vary a lot based on your history, how strong you are, how conditioned you are for running. Um, and then as you run with a pram, just being aware that it tends to make you slump forwards a bit because you're sort of pushing with your arms, you lose the uh, efficiency that your arms bring to your running pattern. So it will be a lot harder on your legs, but that can also be a good thing because your legs will get stronger than if mm -hmm. you didn't run with a pram. So I guess it's all, all balancing it out. If you know that you've got to run with a pram, just be smart about spacing out your runs. Make sure after your runs that you do some, you know, chest and shoulder stretches to unwind any tightness that you were developing while you're pushing this pram for whatever mm. length of time. Yeah. yeah. So totally That's fine, but you've got to just think about what you're doing. Mm. And even like probably having three kids piled on top can actually do some strength work. So rather than running, you can just push, use your glutes, drive yourself up a hill. Yeah. Yep. So you might do some essentially um, weighted uphill walking with <laughs> lots of kids in the pram. That would be a great way to, you know, that's a lot of core strength. That Obviously you build it up. Yeah. <laughs> lots of leg strength, but yeah, it could be one stepping stone that you put into your journey essentially. Mm. But I think sometimes as, um, as a mum, you don't have that space to think about yourself and what you want to plan out and actually execute it in a nice, logical, clear way, which you might've done pre-kids but suddenly the kids are there and so you just get the chance and you just go and yeah. you may not have the chance to beautifully map out this recovery that you want to do so you know if you get the chance sure go for it but always just bring that little bit of common sense in the back of your mind am I absolutely exhausted maybe I shouldn't be doing this today maybe we'll yeah. just walk instead today's the day maybe today's not the day what have I been doing the last few days is anything niggling you know just just kind of do that quick self-check of does this seem like a reasonable idea and exactly yeah. that's so true as well because it's always the focus um, for mums on the fat loss so I want to do whatever I can to thrash myself and it's important to know whether to work out or to work in so today I'm just walking uh, there's no pressure and mm, tomorrow I feel good yeah mm. I think people underestimate the power of just moving and being outside. Mm. And a walk can be super powerful, both for, you know, the, the, the muscles and, and joints of your body, but also the, the mental health benefits of that to then give you that fresh perspective of, you know, how you're going to approach the next challenge that comes up or the next opportunity that you get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the next challenge that's going to come up as being a mother. <laughs> <laughs> when you got them the wrong biscuit or yeah you, whatever it You're was like, oh no mum <laughs> guilt <laughs> um so what else do you think a mum should know when it comes to exercise whether they've been um they're just new to being a mum or they've been trying to get back to their body for a year or so mm. 
Oh gosh, one thing. There's so many things. Um, I think be kind is be kind yeah. to yourself is the starting point. If you can be kind to yourself, the rest of it comes along. There's a period where certainly you don't often get top spot in the attention, and you know that's mm. fine for a period of time. But at some point, you need to carve out time for yourself because if you don't, it'll all crumble in a heap, and that's not very fun. So whether yeah. that's five minutes to go outside and water the garden and just look at the sky or walk around the block when you get the chance or something like that. Um, so when we bring that back to exercise, for some mums, they manage to get their spare time, um, their, their little bits of freedom right from six weeks postpartum. For other mums, it's not till the baby's two, three years old that they're starting to creep in and get their little bits of, of me time. So at whatever point that happens, that's when you can really put your regular exercise in there and build up towards something and feel like you're actually getting somewhere. And in the meantime, snap up every little moment that you can, whether it's just lying on the grass next to your baby and having a stretch in the sun, mm. or, you know, I, I always do a few yoga stretches around the, the kids and they, they join in, which is great. They're learning a little bit about, you know, what movement is and what different positions are. Um, so yeah, try to try to clear those expectations of what you think might happen and what you want to happen um, and get the movement in there in whatever shape or form you can, even if it's little snippets, it's all helpful on so many levels. Yeah, lovely. It, it's that it's that mum guilt, isn't it? Where you feel like you can't spend any time away from your kids and you need to put them above everything else. But ultimately, if you do look after your health and yourself then you from my experience you become a better mum and you're healthier and you're just able to to run around after them a bit more mm. because you've had that time like you said whether it be just five minutes out on the grass just to stretch mm, huge and I guess and it's, it's that support network around you that allows you to do that whether you know you try to exercise in some form with your baby or your children or if you make it really clear to your support network that this is something that really matters to you that you know once a week you get to go and do whatever activity whether it's you know a walk that will just fit wherever it fits or something organized that you really want to get to the space doesn't appear unless you create it I guess mm -hmm. yeah for um, sure and for a lot of people that is calling in the support network to make sure that you get some new time because yeah without it it makes everything a lot harder I love that as well. Um, the space doesn't um, happen unless you create it because, yeah, you can always say, I don't have enough time. But you could just put in those little things, just small gaps, um, scheduling it in and then just see, actually, I, I'm going to put in half an hour now because I'm good with that. That 10 minutes mm. wasn't enough. Um, yeah, you have to schedule it in. <laughs> <laughs> I've realised. <laughs> yeah, and they will. The, the little kitties will take every second that you have to give. They, <laughs> yeah. If you have that much, they'll take it all plus a bit more. So yeah. Um, and my almost six-year-old still gets very distressed when I'm going to go out to the gym. You know, she turns on the tears and she makes me feel terrible. But mm. I know that the second I leave, she'll be fine and actually have heaps of fun at home with her uh, brother and sister. And it's fine. So I don't know why she does it, but it's almost in her habit now you know yeah. mom's trying to leave all right I'm going to try and stop it yeah. 
really um, makes you so it's yeah. taken a long time to kind of get past that it's, yeah it's okay I'm gonna leave she's gonna be fine and yeah. this is super important for me to do so yeah um, yeah mum guilt big time there mum guilt all the time my <laughs> mum even says the mum guilt doesn't go it's always there whether you've yes. got like grown-up children they've got grandchildren it's just always something that you have to listen to mm. and notice mm. yeah yeah it's okay and it's just going to be there <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um I've loved having you on chatting it's been amazing oh, um, great I think ultimately the body goes through so much it's important to know that your body is so different compared mm. to another mum and to be kind to yourself because your body has been through so much growing a human inside and then trying to get it out of of you in some way and then you deal with being a mum and whether you've mm. had one child or five it's like it's intense it's um it's so big. just it's yeah really big. and I guess um, one one last thing that I think a lot of people don't understand about physios they don't know about it which is absolutely fine so I'm just going to share some more wisdom to enlighten mm. as many people as I can please but um we don't generally refer people to women's health physios unless there's a problem like incontinence or you know something really specific that is pelvic floor related mm. but women's health physios um, are also extremely valuable when it isn't a problem so once you've had a baby whether it's c-section or natural delivery I would still encourage everyone to go find a women's health physio I actually had my checkup just earlier this week uh, it was $150 my health insurance paid for part of that so I mean that's it's not no money but I think it's an investment in your body she was able to tell me exactly how things are working what I'm good at what I'm not so good at she's given me some homework of how to improve and for me that's all preventative so it's setting me up for the best possible to get to the best possible position ready to live the next you know however many years of my life keeping those uh the risk of problems as minimal as possible so you know the physio you see for your sprained ankle and your sore back and your headaches can provide some general advice and that's that's where i come in i can certainly coach people a lot on what they're looking for what the reasonable time frames are and things but i would always uh encourage a, a women's health review as well just to get that extra level of information um, yeah. And if anyone wants to just find out more about that, I, I've got a whole pile of different contacts that I can point you in the direction of around Adelaide. Um, Good. They are worth their weight in gold. One appointment was all it took for me. And she said, yep, this is what you need to know. And off you go. So that's great. That's super helpful yeah it will actually be good we'll we'll put a link or two in the uh, description of the podcast so people oh, can cool. click on and get some help with um sign up to their close women's health person that would be brilliant um and actually putting your details there as well would be yep, good be cool. too how to get in touch with you um amazing sally thank you for coming on um You're welcome i've loved it yay <laughs> this was your first podcast as well so yeah no longer a virgin <laughs> <laughs> uh, make sure to check out the uh podcast vault that we've got so i'll put the link in the description as well because sally's put up how to progress in a plank if you have um 
weaker core, ab separation, things like that. Um, and I have got a live webinar coming up about building a healthy, resilient mum. So we're going to go through core stuff and any imbalances and weaknesses that mums generally have and a bit more when it comes to diet, nutrition, mindset, all of that good stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Sally. And always, please, listeners, if you have a mum who could benefit from listening to this, please share. Thanks. Bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.